This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, December 19th, episode 1837. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world! Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? How do I get? Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Christy is here the third Tuesday of every month, and it's good it's not the fourth Tuesday because we wouldn't be here. We'd just be out. We'd be on vacation. But you're here, and we got some fun stuff we're going to be chatting about today. So, Jennifer, tell us what is coming up on today's show. On today's Certified Horsemanship Association episode, we're going to take a shot at mounted shooting with Jessica Hersey, who is the vice president of the Maine Maine Cowboy Mounted Shooters. Say that three times fast. And then Kathy Thacker is going to join us, and she is the equine program specialist for Girl Scouts Carolina's Peak and Peak to Piedmont, and she's taking aim at mounted archery. So there you go. And last but not least, happy National Oatmeal Muffin Day, everybody. Make sure to take advantage of this national day because we all know calories don't count on national days. That's correct. Uh, why isn't it National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day? Because that's really what I want right now. So, Christy, Jennifer's horse came up lame yesterday, and she's supposed to be going next week to her first endurance ride, and she was so looking forward to it, and of course he comes hobbling in. Why is it that horses know that? Uh, I th- it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Makes you wonder. I think they feel the excitement of us when we ride them, and they're like, oh, they're getting way too intense in these practices. Yeah, something, must something be coming, coming up. up. I'm going to just come up lame. Uh, <laughs> oh. He was like uh, hopping and running his, again soon. Back oh. right leg, you know, all hopping and not liking it. And so that was kind of disappointing around here. And then you've got, you You were telling, we were, we were doing horse woes, first world problems before the show started today. And you got an Appaloosa with too many spots, which is something yeah. I never heard of before. I went out there the other day to check on Mr. Chip and uh, yeah, we've got a lot of extra spots called hives making his spots look 3D. Oh, he has wow. 3D spots. Oh, that's yeah. unique. Yeah. Very unique. And, you know, he's never had it before. So, of course, I text my vet. I'm like, so what do I do? She's like, nothing. I could come out and get steroids. May or may not work. <laughs> yeah, Benadryl for horses. She was some banamine if he's itchy. Like, you know, whatever. She said the only time it might really be a problem is if they go down his throat, they could actually kill him because it could restrict airflow, right? Oh, wow. But they're not in his throat. 
he's fine. He just really looks spotty. But she said that they should go away soon. He probably just picked up a weed in the pasture or a weed in the hay that he was just allergic to. And the other two weren't because the pony and the black horse are just fine. We really do give our pony Benadryl, by the way. The tablets. Yeah, they actually say you can do that. Yeah, we give the pony Benadryl because he gets all itchy uh, all the time, especially in the summer. And he just gets so itchy that we give him, what, four a day. And uh, he he seems to be better with his Benadryl. And it makes him sleepy, so it's good. They can take their coat right off, rubbing (laughs) it. right. I know, he does. You know, they really can. Yeah, he does, too. So I'll tell you, you know what we haven't talked about ever, Glenn? And I was thinking about this. I love that intro that Jen created for the CHA show. That has Yoda on it. It has a little thing of Julie Goodnight (laughs) talking. It (laughs) has me talking. It has um, just, it's just a great, great little intro. And every single time I hear it, it makes me smile. And I don't think I've ever officially publicly thanked her for that intro. So Jen, rock star status on the CHA intro. I love it. Oh, thanks. I think we've been using it for four years, so I I, I kind of yes. don't even hear you know you, you do this long enough. I, I don't even hear it anymore. <laughs> it's like yeah, but I'm like never sick of it. Every time I hear it, I'm like oh, I still love it because I was thinking oh maybe we should do it new because I was thinking the same thing. It's four years old, right? We should refresh it. And I'm like no, I don't think so. I like it a lot. You know, we were going to do you know the little horses in the morning music at the beginning of the show. Yes, we've been using that for all eight, since the day we started uh, seven years ago, and and I thought one day that and I put it up, I put it in the auditor's room. This was this was a long time ago. Put it in the auditor's room that I was thinking about changing that because we've had it forever, and there was a revolt. No, they said no, no, because it's no. it's what people you do associate a podcast you're listening to with the music they have have at the beginning. So yes. there's podcasts I know what sound effects or music they play at the beginning, and and it gets you kind of into to a comfortable place that that's what I'm going to be listening to now. You know, it it sets you up for it. So I think that not all not all change in that case is good. <laughs> so no, I agree. Sometimes yeah. people like their comfort zone, and that's okay. That's I think that's super. So no, so I don't think we should change our music either for CHA. I like it a lot. You know, people um, when when new podcasters ask me questions, they they ask how important is your bumper at the beginning, and I tell them, just like your logo, it is the most important thing because people will associate that music, that bumper with your show, and they get into a mental state when they, as soon as they hear it, and now they're ready for your show, and that's how important it is. It really is important with podcasts. That's huge, and I think that that is great. It was radio. We got to have some music. We got to have some, you know, sound bites. Sometimes I think that's super. I, you know, I hated the days they got rid of the theme songs for TV shows. Yeah, you know, I love those. Like Mash. I mean, Mash was the classic one of all time, probably the most popular of all time. But I mean, just the the theme songs, and you know, just kind of put you in that same state, right? You were ready for that show. The Brady Bunch. Yeah, exactly. The Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Loved them all. Every one of them. Still memorized. Can everybody tell that we're kind of at the end of the year? <laughs> <laughs> little punchy. Where's that eggnog? Come anyway. On. Well, you guys are going to be... Where, you live in Colorado, so do you have white? Are you ready for a white Christmas? What's the story? 
Oh, you know, we're a little bit weird here because we've had 50s and 60s. And the problem when we have 50s and 60s in December is that we've already had a freeze. So the grass is dead. So we're brown, brown, brown. So we all really want a white Christmas. And we're excited because we're going to be 50s today and tomorrow. And then Thursday in rolls the snow. And we're supposed to be nine for a high over the weekend. And actually, it's going to get down to minus five at one point. So the snow will probably stay. It won't get an opportunity to melt off. So that'll be nice to have a, at least white on the ground. It won't be falling Christmas Day, but at least it will be on the ground. Minus five, huh? That's a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, that's a little chilly. Now, I just, while you were doing that, I had to look at hours. We're going to be in the 80s. Of course you are. Yeah, just saying. We're going to be hot. <laughs> we'll be in short sleeves and shorts. Now, I'm going to be coming to Florida. At the oh, yeah? end of February, yes, I'll be, I'm doing an open job. I fly into Orlando and I have a friend of mine that lives right by Cape Canaveral. And so I'm going to stay at her place there uh, for a couple of nights um, because we're going to watch a rocket launch. I'm so excited. Oh, really? I'm like a little kid. I'm so excited. Yay. Well, she's in the right place for that. Oh, we're going to be able to do it out of her backyard, she said. I'm like, oh, so exciting. Wow. So do that. And then I'm going to drive in the car with her to Jacksonville and American Quarter Horse Association is having their convention in Jacksonville. So it's a work and a business trip. The AQHA is in Jacksonville this year? They are. Wow. You might have to come over. I didn't know anything was in Jacksonville. <laughs> you don't yes. hear about national conventions in Jacksonville too often. Yes, that's what they're doing this year. Are they at the state? There's a big stadium there that's used for horses. Um you know, headed? they're not cool like our convention that has the horses. Oh, they're just, just all hotel-based, and we all yeah. wear suits. Oh, yeah. Sorry, quarter horse people listening, but that's just how it rolls. <laughs> our conference has horses. Yours does not. So, no. So, we're going to be in the, in, in the hotel the whole time, which is all right. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad you're going to get to see a launch. And that part of the coast of Florida, by the way, below Cape Canaveral, we've gone down there a couple times and stayed for several days, and it's beautiful down there. So, yeah, the beach is beautiful down there. It's just, there's lots of good restaurants. There's lots of good manatee spots to watch down there. Oh, I would love that. Is that the right time of year for that? Yes, actually, that oh, is. Yay. Yeah, the manatees oh. will be heading south. Um, now, they might be a little further south. I don't know. Um, but you might still be good there. No, you'll still be good there because you can see them up in Daytona even in, in February when we go over. So, yes, you'll be able to see them there. Oh, I'm so excited about that because the last time we were in Florida, we went in the summer and they were already long gone. Yeah, oh. no, no, but they'll oh, be back. Uh, they come back right now, actually, end of November, beginning of December to the middle of December is when they start to make their way south again. So they should be in full view down there right now and all the way through probably uh, March. Okay, well, that's a definite then. Thank you. So you'll be good. And now we're going to be, Jennifer's getting our first guest on. We're going to be talking a little bit today about some of the fastest up and coming sports in the horse world. Yes, I'm excited about this because we have some uh, CHA instructors that do these sports. And, you know, we always say CHA, the safer way. And people think, okay, wait a second, arrows and bullets? How could that be safe? But there's obviously a very safe way to do both archery and shooting. So we are thrilled to have both of them on. And I don't know about you, Glenn, but I've never tried either one of those sports up on a horse. I've only tried them on the ground. Yeah, I've done a lot of shooting and a lot of uh, archery on the ground. Yes, yeah. me too. It's hard never, enough on ever. the ground. <laughs> I'll tell you, without a doubt, and trying to hit a target, it's like, oh, but while you're on a moving animal, I'm just impressed. So impressed. And, you know, we've we've talked actually quite a bit about uh, mounted shooting over the years because Tammy Surratt's are uh, – 
she's co-hosted shows and and been with us for years and years and years, and she's a good friend of ours, uh, is the world champion mounted shooter many, 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 many times over. Right. So, and I've seen her shoot a few times, and uh, it's when you see the really, really good ones shoot, it's amazing, because they're running through those patterns in seconds. Uh, it's just, it is really cool to watch. And they're really using some about. big pistols. I mean, they're using 40, oh gosh, 45s. Amazing. I mean, they're not yeah. 22s. They're 45s. Nope. Uh, it's so, impressive. And what I'm excited about is to teach others how to do it, right? Because we come at it from an instructor standpoint. Right. So it's like, oh boy, what are the steps that you do? I'm assuming you do a lot of on the ground before you get up on the horse. I'm assuming that, that a lot of that happens. And then hey, I'm you really want to keep the, the horse's horse ears intact. You know, oh my gosh, the whole thing is just amazing to me. You know, it does, it will, obviously they're shooting blanks, but because of the discharge, the powder, uh, it can burn. And, you know, Tammy has a uh, scar on her hand from where she shot herself. Um, and, you know, it, it can take, I mean, it. the black powder comes out to about 10 feet. That's why the balloons pop. Uh, so you really don't want to be shooting your horses in the ears or yourself for that matter. No. Uh, and then the bow and arrow thing, that just looks like way too much coordination. Just... <laughs> oh, but I'll tell you what's so cool about a bow and arrow. When you get a good picture of yourself doing it, even if it's just on the ground, you feel very much like Lord of the Rings and an elf. And that's, that's kind of cool because <laughs> the elves true. are rock stars in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's true. Well, I'm excited to hear about it today. We've talked to shooters before and, and we've talked to archers before, but I'm excited to hear about it from the training perspective about how you do that. Yeah. How do you train the horse and rider to get it done? I agree. Yeah. So, well, let's go to, oh, well, doesn't look like our first guest is here, actually. Uh, so, we're, she's going to give her call back. She had uh, bad sound. So, um, oh, she's going to try giving her a call back. Uh, just a review here real quick for the rest of the week. We do have shows for you here on Horses in the Morning. Jamie will be back tomorrow. We're going to do a call-in show tomorrow. So, starting at 930 Eastern, if you want to call in and chat. Basically, Jamie and I don't want to work too hard. And we're kind of done working too hard for the year. So we just want to talk to you guys. So just give us a call, chat with us, and we'd be happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Your year, your ponies, what you're looking forward to next year, what you like best on horses in the morning, whatever. And then uh, we have a Western episode with Tara on Thursday. So we'll be talking all things Western. And then Friday's the last show of Horses in the Morning, the last live show for this year. And we'll be doing our last really bad ads. And then, uh, Christy, every year as the last thing we do, we play a game of Name That Holiday Tune. If you remember that show from years ago, yes. Name That Tune, well, we play a little bit Great. of that with listeners, so that'll be a lot of fun, too. So that's all coming up later this week. Now your guest is ready. Wonderful. Well, I'm thrilled to introduce Jessica. She is a master CHA instructor with us and also an assistant clinician. She's the current VP and board member of the Maine Cowboy Mounted Shooters. She owns and operates Dreamcatcher Farm in Maine, which specializes in training and mentoring students with adopted Mustangs and also second chance equines. So she does a bunch of different things where she is, including centered riding. So hello, Jessica Hersey. How are you? Good morning, Christy. Doing great. And yourself? Doing fine. We're so excited that you're on the show today. We missed having you at conference. So see, we get you somehow, somehow, some way we rope you in to do something with us. It's fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about where exactly in Maine you live. I have never been to that state, and so I don't know much about it, and I'd love to hear more. Absolutely. Um, I'm fairly close to Portland, Maine, which is uh, a, a great place to, to visit. 
Um, we're physically in Dayton, Maine. It's a very small town, about half an hour outside. Um, very quiet, very rural. There's several horse farms in the area. And of course, this time of year, a whole lot of snow. So when did it start? June. Uh, we had our <laughs> third. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. June, I think, is the only month we don't have snow. Uh, we're on our third storm already this year. So how much do you end up with on the ground at any given time? Is it like feet? Yes, it can absolutely be feet. It can be several inches of ice to a good two, three, four feet of snow. It's it's quite ridiculous in the middle of the winter. All right, I have a question. Of course, I live in Florida. I didn't always live in Florida. I live in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. So why? Why, Maine? Why, yes, why? Um, actually, <laughs> for for mounted shooting, it's a, it's a very um, friendly state for the sport. Uh, there are a lot of towns. Um, that don't exactly have um, an acceptance of the sport yet, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, luckily, Maine does. Um, it's a very safe way to introduce a lot of youth uh, to, to uh, gun sports, um, but Maine uh, harbors a lot of different towns that they don't even question it because it's been a part of their life for a long time. So I have a question then. How did you even get involved with mounted shooting? How did all of this come about? That is a great question. Um, I found an advertisement for a beginner's clinic. Uh, the main cowboy mounted shooters was holding a clinic at Hollis Equestrian um, Center, not very far from me. And um, the beginner's clinics are set up so anybody can come with or without a horse. Uh, the way that the clinics are run, uh, they have uh, seasoned horses available. There are, um, at times, there's equipment available, so you don't need an upfront investment. Um, for myself, when I showed up, I literally showed up without a horse. I'd never even heard of the sport before. I saw how fun it was, how exciting it was. Um, it just sucked me in from moment one. The only thing I've ever done with mounted shooting is um, the boys, Sean and Kyle, my kids are in 4-H, and they had a mounted shoot that wanted uh, the kids to come and set up all their balloons for a fundraiser for our club. So we spent a day out there setting up the balloons, and I'll tell you, it was a workout, running in the arena and setting up the balloons, and we made quite a bit. You guys shoot a lot of balloons. We do, yes. Every single rider per stage, there are 10 balloons. Uh, we actually have some local 4-H groups that have done the same for us. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing, but they do work really, really hard uh, running those balloons for all the riders for each of the stages. Well, let's clarify. On a good day, they shoot a lot of balloons. That's, that's a good day, right? <laughs> that's what you want. It, it is a good day, regardless, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, normally there's, there's at least four stages per competition, um, so, for example, if you had 10, 10 riders that showed up, I mean, all 10 riders are going to be running four different stages. So you've got 40 stages that these kids will be setting up balloons for. So, yeah, they do work. <laughs> so what do you like best about the sport? Why did it stick with you after that beginner's clinic? I love the fact that it's all about looking like you live in the Old West. It is so much fun. You're surrounded by people that are there to have fun, to learn more, to really show 
um, the communication and the trust that they have between themselves and their horses. But the biggest thing it really is, it's just a blast. It's, it's so fun to be dressed up like a cowgirl or dressed up like a cowboy and get to live out your little childhood dream. Now, here's the CHA piece of this interview. We need to talk about how do you train your horse and also how do you train your riders, because, of course, you're an instructor, to do things like this. So how about if we start with the horse? Where where do we start with all of this? What do we do? I have a horse. I want to get involved in mounted shooting. I don't know anything about the sport. My horse has never done anything with a sport. What do I do? That's a good question. And it is a lot about safety, especially coming from my CHA background. Um, the big things that we, we try to stress from day one are um, safe handling of your horse. So we need to know that the rider is in safe control of their horse at all three gates. Um, we do have some, some younger students that start at walk trot. Um, and those students just need to display um, that, they're, that they're safe in the situation with themselves and their horse. Um, that can also be a younger student who has either one of us um, seasoned professionals or a parent um, doing a lead line situation. Um, some of the parents themselves have come back, uh, or excuse me, have come from riding instructor backgrounds as well. And once we see that they're safely handling the horse, we also start every single participant out off their horse on their ground with safe gun handling. So that can include starting with cap guns or that can start with um, utilizing the single action pistols that we do use. Um, So again, it, it is all about fun, but safety is the largest piece. So we'll go through each individual step with each person, and then once they're comfortable in that situation, then we start to combine the safety of the rider on the horse, beginning with the cap guns or even what's known as a half load. Um, So those black powder blank half loads have a minimal noise in comparison to the full loads that are used during competition. So it's just kind of a noise difference to get the horses used to it. Do they well. still make cap guns? They do, yes. I have a huge supply of them for the students that we start out. But yes, they do. And they're still like the ones we used to use when we were kids with the little, you know, little strips of black powder stuff that you used to shoot and just go. They absolutely are. And it's so fun to start horses out with that because they get the sense. They have that that the smell of the little black powder that's in them. They hear that little noise, but they're also seeing the hand action of the riders. Um, yeah. But yeah, those cap guns are available in, in several places. It's I didn't know that they were still around. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? So I have a question. Do you have to put um, cotton in all the horse's ears or anything like that, or do the horses not mind? It is strongly suggested to use uh, a protective hearing for horses. Um, there's several on the market um, available for sale. You can also make your own with a, uh, a soft, spongy cat toy material. Uh, we also stress that all riders use hearing uh, protection themselves, and anyone under um, 18 does need to wear eye protection as well. 
And I also noticed in every photo of you that I've seen on your website and Facebook page and things like that, you also have protection on your horse's front legs. Is that something that's required or is that something just recommended? It's not required, but it is a good way to start horses out. Um, The movements can be quick. There's a lot of uh, pivots involved uh, for some of the, the shorter courses. And as, as a rule of thumb for my own horses, if anybody's wearing shoes, I always want to protect their front legs. Um, it's also great for any horses um, just because of the added stress of the quick, fast movements that can be involved. And does everyone start like in a walk division and then move up to jog and then finally lope and then finally full out run? How does that work? So there are different levels. Uh, we, we have everything from the apprentice level, which are kids that, um, actually it's not just kids. It's actually any rider that's beginning that needs assistance to ensure that they're staying safe with their horse. So that could be a lead line situation. Uh, most of the time, the lead line is just walk. Sometimes it is a jog. And then as you're moving up the levels, it's more so that you're competing against yourself. So at the lower levels, you absolutely will see riders start at just the walk. Um, And then as they get more and more comfortable, they'll move up in the gate. Um, And then as you move up in the levels, it depends on how many of um, of the events you have come into first place. And that will actually move you up to the next level. Um, but again, it's, it's really competing against yourself. And as you feel safe moving in one gate, then you'll start to be able to move up to, to the other gates, such as the canter and, and the, uh, the gallop. So at home, when you're on your horse, should you be working on like pole bending patterns? Should you be working on serpentines, pivots? What are some different specific things you should be doing to get prepared? Those are great suggestions. Yes, a lot of the game patterns are extremely useful. The stages in mountain shooting can be one of 60 or more different patterns. So your patterns involve gates. They do involve um, some curves. They do involve um, even even a situation where pole bending has been used in the past. It, it's extremely useful. Um, anything that has the horse and rider working on balance and control. So using obstacle courses are a great introduction. Um, doing any counter flexion is great. Anything that involves half halts and getting a horse to really engage their hind quarters. So I do use cloverleaf patterns. I use pole bending, and I use a lot of different obstacle course material. Um, and the obstacle courses also help introduce horses to any potential uh, new, new thing that they may see when you're out at an event. And you've obviously got to transition your horse from two hands to one hand. This is a one-handed sport. So what are some suggestions that you have for people to transition their horses from two hands to one? So that can be very interesting. Um, a lot of horses will fairly quickly transition from two hands to the direct rein that is used for mounted shooting. Um, and again, it's, it's a matter of making sure that the horse and rider are a good match and that it's a safe situation. Uh, but utilizing a lot of the leg aids and the seat aids and help 
a student to understand that they there is more control than they realize through the use of their body versus just going to the hands first. So moving slowly from a two-hand rein to a direct rein um, through the usage of game reins allows you to slide your hand from side to side as needed, and then it's just a matter of working on isolation, uh, isolating the core to be able to use the hands separately. Yeah, hey, it's so good because I'll tell you, you know what we talk about all times with our four natural aids, seat, legs, hands, voice in that order right? Because you can't always use voice like for dressage and stuff. So being able to do a sport like this, boy, you're going to really emphasize the seat and the legs and the hands have to come third because your other hand is busy. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, If you have your hand outstretched with that single action pistol, uh, you're not going to be moving it towards your horse's neck at all. Uh, So there is a lot of practice involved in showing that you really do have good control with a direct training situation. Not only only that, you got to switch guns halfway through. So you got that too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot going on. It's it's a lot of movement. It's a quick, quick patterns. um, But it's, there, there's a lot of things that you are controlling with your own body. Um, and you're right, you do need to switch. You, so you start out with two pistols, and you'll, you'll go through a random pattern that's, that's picked ahead of time. So you'll go through five balloons that you'll need to, to target, and then you switch your gun, and you go around the random barrel, and then you'll go down your rundown, which is a straight line, but again with a second gun and five more targets. So that's even in the very beginner walk division, they have to have two guns. See, all the things I'm learning, I didn't know that. Yeah, and see, they they have them on yeah. their chest. They don't carry them on their hips like like the old west. Uh, they actually have them on their chest because it's easier to get to. And you also do pistol and shotgun, right? Or is it that shotgun? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we have rifle and shotgun classes as well. Yes, they're shorter. They're not your full length uh, hunting rifle because that'd be kind of tough. But uh, that is correct. Yes, <laughs> they can be as short as fifteen uh, inches, which is a lot easier to handle when you're a uh, Moving at speed on the yeah horse. yeah yeah. At that point, you're just knocking the balloons over with your rifle if you're carrying a full length one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be like a club. <laughs> right. So, Jessica, is there like a certain height horse you want, or do they lower and raise the balloons accordingly? Uh, the the stages are set. So um, each stage will have balloons at a set height. So there can be an advantage to having a smaller horse. Um, At my farm, we have horses as small as 14 hands, and I also had a competition that was a full 17 three hands. Uh, Each of them have their own unique challenges, but I'll say it is much easier to start on a horse that is anywhere between 14 to 15 hands. And have you found um, that kind of, this is an all-breed sport too, isn't it? It absolutely is, yes. We have, oh my goodness, uh, our main club, we have thoroughbreds, we've had quarter horses, we've had a Frisian, um, obviously we have some Mustangs, um, and we've had some draft crosses as well. It's, it's not about any particular breed of horse, it truly is about... Uh, communication with the horse that you have. 
I think that is just so cool. So if there was kind of one thing that you would tell people about the sport and why they should think about it, what would that be? If you want to try something fun, something exciting, and get to play cowboy, come give it a try. Love it. And I love that you all dress up. I think that's so great in period costume. That's super It is. It is. So how, it, how it's can... wonderful, and it makes for a great picture. <laughs> Are there associations where people can find a club near them? How do people go about getting involved in their different areas where they're located? Good question. So there are a couple different national affiliates. Uh, The sport is across um, all 50 states. Uh, We are personally affiliated with the United Mounted Shooters. Um, So their website is unitedmountedshooters.com. There is also the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, or the CMSA for short. Uh, Both of them have clubs available across the country. And obviously, each of those clubs will have the different levels available to all to all members. And for those listeners that live in Maine, how can they find out more about you? So here in Maine, uh, they can find me on Facebook. It is Dreamcatcher Farm Maine. Um, I also have a website, www.dream-catcher-farm.com. Well, Jessica, we so appreciate you coming on today and telling us a little bit more about kind of how to get horses and riders started in this sport. It's an exciting one for sure. I just recently got um, my concealed carry permit, but I've never tried this up on a horse. I've only shot my little 22 at Targets. That's all I've ever done. So this is this would be above and beyond what I know for sure. We well, could, if you've already started any bit of gun handling, uh, you, you've already got one foot in the right direction. We could watch her fall on her butt when she shoots, shoots the forty five for the first time. <laughs> After shooting the twenty two. My little twenty two. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Glenn, for teasing me about my gun. <laughs> we'll give her a 12-gauge next, and then we will pick her up about three feet behind. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll avoid that. Just come to Maine, and we'll we'll get you through your first beginner course safely. <laughs> Thank y'all very much. Well, Jessica, it was great to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Thank Christmas. Have Merry fun Christmas up there in the snow. Thank you <laughs> <laughs> Stay warm. Thank right. you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Does sound like fun though, doesn't it? They do mounted cart shooting too, so I, that's what I'm thinking. I get scooter and we'll get him all. We'll get him all. He hates loud noises, so that'll be perfect, right? Uh, for mounted oh, shooting, he he'll won't, go fast. He won't mind that at all. Yeah, we'll do it in record time. <laughs> so uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back and talk about mounted archery here in just a minute. But first, uh, I've been this week. We've been putting together some of the songs that everybody sang for us for Radiothon. We thought it was kind of a waste to have them put all that time and effort in for just one playing during 12 hours of Radiothon. So I've been putting little montages together of the songs of Radiothon, and I'm going to play another one of those for you, and then we'll use that as our song for today. And then we're going to come back and talk about Mounted Archery in just a minute. Maybe. I ripped the halter off Joker's head 
Somebody snitched on me. I stole the hainet from glory instead. Somebody snitched on me. I tore a hole in Bindi's rug. Found the supplements and smashed the jug. Tried to kill Mr. Next Door's pug. Somebody snitched on me. Oh, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mom and the neighbors are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I ain't been nothing but bad. I kicked the stall to make it break. Somebody snitched on me. I purposely stomped on the last good rake. Somebody snitched on me. With help, I pushed down the garden fence. Got a tummy ache from rotten plants. Forgot how to lunge and did a hind leg dance. Somebody snitched on me. Oh, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mom and the neighbors are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I ain't been nothing but bad. I won't be seeing Santa Claus. Somebody snitched on me. He won't come visit me because somebody snitched on me. Next year I'll be going straight. Next year I'll be good. Just wait. I'd start now, but it's too late. Somebody snitched on me. Oh, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mom and the neighbors are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I ain't been nothing but bad. So you better be good whatever you do. Cause if you're bad, I'm warning you. You'll get nothing for Christmas. This means you, ponies. Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon. It's 12 hours long. Glenn and Wendy are great. Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon, it's 12 hours long. Glenn and Wendy, our gracious hosts, are revving up the throng. Listeners and guests will wish us their best, and we'll all follow along. So leave the dishes in the sink and mix your drink, cause here we all belong. Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon, right down Holiday Lane. Here comes Jamie with all her Mustangs, love that Zeus's mane. Some might say we're a little cray-cray, but we don't really care. Our horse hubby stay, they love us anyway, at least they pretend we're sane. Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon, it's Cyber Monday. Jamie and Jen are ready again, to the internet gods they pray. Whether beat up prizes, in all shapes and sizes, everyone wants to win. So stay in bed, tell the boss you're dead, it's Radiothon today. Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon, we waited all year. What awaits us, we're not sure, but it will soon be clear. It's a live show, so you never know, or that's what Glenn always says. So charge your phone and stay at home, because Radiothon is here. 
Here comes Radiothon, here comes Radiothon, we're ready to begin. We're all shopping on horse lovers, you can count us in. Leslie Wiley is here to raise a glass of cheer, we all follow her lead. So throw your horse some hay and prepare to stay with Radiothon, we all win. Happy holidays. It's that time to gear up for the winter when the radiothon comes around. It's 12 hours to play. It's a bumper day. I wait for it the whole year round. Weather be that will keep us all toasty. They have rugs, boots, and blankets galore. Wendy, Jamie, Glenn, and of course Coach Jen entertain us here with so much more than a horse lover's leads us all through the day. Prizes you'll say, just send that my way. The last have us rolling, not to mention the songs. Get up and party along. It's a fun, funny day made for horse folks. Tell your family, your friends, bring a date. It's a sugar date. Better not be late. Buckle up, grab your cup, hit the gate. I just love how talented everybody is. I know. We have talented. They're more talented than we are. That's for sure. Our listeners. Wow. <laughs> they can make up lyrics. They can sing on key. They can rhyme. I know. <laughs> All things I am not good at. <laughs> it's a lot. Very impressive. Love it. Wow. This is exciting. Our next guest on is Kathy Thacker. And she is the equine program specialist for the Girl Scouts Carolinas Peak to Piedmont and manages all of their programming there at the Circle C Equestrian Center. She is a CHA and PATH International Certified Instructor. And we love having her on today because she's going to talk about one of the many sports that she does, but cowboy archery. So hello, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about North Carolina and where exactly you are located. So um, we are in the Triad region of North Carolina, and we're between Greensboro and Asheboro, where the North Carolina Zoo is. And have you always been there, or have you lived other places before? Uh, I've lived in a few other places, but mostly in North Carolina. I'm a North Carolina girl. And how are you Christmas-wise? What is your weather going to be like? We were just talking today about the differences around the country. And boy, Jessica up there in Maine, she probably wins yeah. as far as snow. But how is it going to be there in North Carolina? Well, you never know. Uh, something we always say about our weather is if you don't like it, just wait a few minutes and it'll be different. Um, so it could be 60 and raining or it could be 32 or it could be you know, somewhere in between. We just never really know. And I honestly, I haven't looked that far ahead. <laughs> so I'm Take not it sure one it's day at a time. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathy, tell us, how did you get, with all of your different horse experiences you've had, how did you get involved with uh, horseback archery? Well, um, I we got involved, or I got involved through a student um, who expressed some interest. She saw some YouTube videos and um, was sort of, you know, very interested in, in this thing that was going on. And, and as we talked to her more about it and tried to help her figure it out with one of our school horses, uh, we discovered that it was um, 
you know, a thing that was going on. And the more we watched her do it, the more I wanted to do it. And, uh, and the reaction we saw in our students and our clients and the parents and everybody who saw her just thought, that's just the neatest thing. And we thought, this is the thing. We need to really look into it and pursue it. And um, that's kind of, that started us down our road was just one student's interest. So what do you think you all most enjoy about the sport? Um, well, personally, um, as I've gotten a little older, the um, jumps that I used to do with my horse, who's getting a little older as well, they seem bigger and the ground seems harder. And I'm not really as interested in going fast and jumping big as I used to be. And um, I really like the that we can... Um, learn something new together and set goals and it's just it's fun it's challenging I'm a, I'm a little bit of a list maker I'm always very busy I don't have as much time to ride and I have a, gotten into a bad habit of when I ride I've you know I'm thinking about all the things I should be doing and um, the horseback archery it's very meditative um, you have to focus on the arrows you have to focus on your horses it's, um, it's been really nice for me I really enjoy it so here comes the CHA part of the interview. So we need a lot of detail on how in the world do you train your horse how to do this? And how in the world do you train yourself and us as instructors, how do we train others how to do it? So for all those different types of folks that are listening out there, let's go ahead and start with the horse first. If I have a horse and I want to go ahead and get started in this sport, what do you recommend or some specific exercises I do? Well, um, the... You know, every horse being different, um, the the main things that the horse needs to um, be comfortable with are all of the noises that happen um, when you're doing horseback archery. So that's the the noise of the bow and arrow, you know, sort of rattling the the noise of um, the arrow hitting the target. Um, so they need to become accustomed to all of that um, and. The, the great thing about horseback archery is the ground archery that you'll have to learn. Um, that also serves as desensitizing for the horse. So the horse can stand behind you while you're learning to shoot. The horse can walk and be worked behind you when, when things are hitting targets, and, and that's a big help. Um, then, um, then you also have to worry about the, the movement of the bows and arrows. So, you know, some horses don't like the bow, catching the bow in and out of their peripheral vision. Um, so they have to get used to that um, and the arrows sort of leaving, leaving them. Um, and then the other thing we've discovered, um, and it's been interesting, our horses' various reactions to it, um, the, the, when you draw the bow or you draw the arrow and release it, some horses have really different reactions to that. So some of them ignore it completely like a good school horse. Um, some of them, it feels like a half halt, so the, depending on the horse, they'll break um, or they'll collect. Um, and then some horses, it feels like, go forward fast. Um, so we start off with all of our horses um, and getting them accustomed to the noise. But we also, um, when we didn't have bows and arrows available to us, um, things like throwing tennis balls into muck tubs um, gets them used to sounds and things flying off their bodies. Um, carrying pool noodles um, is a big help. That's very, you know, they're large. They can see those, um, see them waving around. Um, and so that's sort of how we start with the horse. I love those ideas. It's so fun to know about all these props. You can go buy them at the dollar store and just start working with yeah. them, you know? And that's yeah. that's just good for desensitizing for anything, let alone the mounted archery. That's great. 
Right. And it's, if it's something that you think you might be interested in pursuing um, and you don't have access to someone who can help you um, start shooting immediately, these are all things you can do to prepare your horse so that when you, you do find somebody who can help you, you're, you're already a little bit ahead um, and there's a little less groundwork to do. And in the sport itself, do you go in a straight line to shoot all the targets or is there weaving involved? Because you don't have any hands on the horse at all, right? Because you have to be holding the bow and arrow. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. So, yeah. So, a lot of, um, a lot of the courses are on a track. Uh, so, we'll set up. Um, we're very lucky in that we have a lot of uh, the plastic jump blocks. And so we can set up a barrier that runs the entire length of our indoor arena and use the wall and that um, barrier to create a track. And horses have just learned to, to go down the track and they don't need hands. Um, but there's a really exciting sort of offshoot um, called uh, horseback field archery. And so that's out in a field um, and there are no barriers. So you really do have to um, communicate with your horse and um, practice steering without reins and, you know, using your weight and using your balance. Um, and so that's something we're, we've been interested in as well. And we've been practicing it a little bit in the arena, just having um, cones up. Um, you can't cross the cones to shoot the target and just practicing steering the horse. Um, and that, that's been a lot of fun too. That's a, that's a challenge. That is a whole new definition of seat and legs right there. It really is. <laughs> it really is. So I have a question. If they're out in the field, don't they want to eat the grass in the field? <laughs> yes. <Especially, laughs> How do you do that with no hands? <laughs> <laughs> especially our school horses. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, the, the horses who are happy to just plod along in the arena get a little bright-eyed and bushy-tailed out in the field as well. So it tends to be something we do with our more advanced students. But um, part of the horseback archery gear and equipment that we use, um, we use uh, tarp toggles, so something you would use. It's like a plastic ball with a, an elastic tie. And we uh, toggle the horse's reins to a strap or to their saddle, um, and that way they can't put their head down, they can't trip, but they also have enough slack in their reins to recover if they should trip or, or have any issues. Um, so that helps with the grass eating. That makes sense. So tell us a little bit more about the equipment. What kind of safety equipment do you recommend for both, both horse and rider? And I guess also, what exactly are the arrows made out of? I mean, I really don't know anything about this sport. I'd love to learn all of that. Uh, sure. So, um, well, starting with... Um, you know, honestly, the, it's the humans that need the most safety equipment for this. So, um, you know, whatever safety equipment your horse wears normally, so if they need boots um, or breast collars, that sort of thing, um, you know, all of that. And then um, for their reins, having some sort of tie-up system that will break away if they need to free themselves. Um, but that also just kind of keeps the reins from dropping too low and then getting tangled in them. Um, and uh, then for the humans, um, you know, as far as the archery safety equipment, uh, we wear gloves or a glove on our shooting hand, and that protects your fingers um, from the string and from drawing. Um, and then we have an arm guard that protects the hand that holds the bow, um, protects your arm from getting um, string slapped. And then um, we use quivers. 
uh, to hold our arrows, or you can also hold them in your hand, but um, most of us use some sort of hip quiver, and that just keeps the, the arrows um, contained and so that nothing can uh, poke anybody. Um, and then, let's see, uh, a helmet. And that's pretty much all you need. This is a this has been a really great um, addition to our program, partially because it is relatively inexpensive um, to get everybody set up to shoot. Um, the arrows that you don't have to buy a fancy bow, um, you don't have to buy fancy arrows, but they do need to have feather fletching. Um, and then there's a, a way that we wrap them at the top that keeps them from cutting your hands. Most of us. Um, the bows don't have a shelf, so you're shooting off of your hand. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much all you need. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Um, well, how sharp are the arrows? Are they as sharp as when you normally do archery, like in competition when you're on the ground? Are they? I mean, how how does that work? Right. So we use uh, field tip points, and they're they're quite sharp. Um, <laughs> I and it's the so we've had a particular issue, we, we really struggled with, um, we want to be as safe as possible, um, <laughs> of course, and then also when we talk to people and parents and our bosses about horseback archery, they get a little panicky, um, <laughs> because, you know, uh, so we really used and tried out a wide array of equipment um, to see what works best for us, and um, having the, the tips, our bows aren't very heavy and that they don't have a, a big draw weight. So the arrows don't go very far with a lot of punch. And we discovered with a blunt tip and our low poundage bows, um, things weren't uh, striking the target and staying there. They would often bounce back, um, especially if, it, you know, if a 10-year-old is pulling on the bow. She doesn't have as much strength as an adult. Um, so we've discovered that you know, the pointy arrows are actually a little bit safer. Um, because they do stick into the target. Oh, I never thought of that. That's a good point. So with that in mind, how far away are the targets from when you're riding? They're about seven meters from the track. So not terribly far away, but far enough away to um, help with um, any bounce back. So about 20 feet then? About 20 feet. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I I, I did that for you. I thought uh, I'd help you out there. three? Yeah. Too early for math. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. That's good. So now we've talked about the horse a little bit. Can we move on to um, the rider? How? And let's go ahead and twist this around a little bit. How does a riding instructor say, huh, I want to put some mounted archery in my program. How do they go about teaching their riders how to do this safely and kind of from the beginning all the way up? So the the other great thing and one of the things that we really like about horseback archery is, um, you know, it's not a new way of riding. Whatever riding you're doing, you know, right now is going to be the riding you need to do for horseback archery. Um, You know, as long as you're uh, balanced and, you know, a correct and functional equitation, you know, the building blocks, um, all of that good stuff, um, that's what you need to do horseback archery. And, you know, there are different... You know, some people shoot from a standing up position. Some people sit down. A lot of that is personal preference. Um, But, yeah, everything people are already doing in their riding lessons will complement horseback archery. And then all of the no rain work that we do. So we, um, you know, we start off with our um, students on the lunge line. 
with no reins and just get them comfortable doing things with their hands and, and not holding on and, you know, developing that independent seat and all of that balance and feeling confident in their position and feeling like they can recover their position if the horse takes a bad step or if they speed up or slow down, um, you know, just practicing all of those things without reins. Um, it makes them a better rider, you know, if they're going to go do a dressage test. It also helps them out when they go to do horseback archery. And then um, we also, we play a lot of games. So um, like I was mentioning earlier, the, the work with the horses with carrying the pool noodles and throwing tennis balls, um, all of that's a lot of fun too. So we do all of that work with our students as well, and it benefits the horses, it benefits the students. They get to think about getting some task accomplished, and they're not concentrating on their riding, and it just sort of happens, and they get to um, to learn how to sort of respond to the horse in the moment. And um, so we found there's very little... It's, it's more about learning the archery <laughs> um, than it is about uh, doing anything drastically different when they're on the horse. So does it matter, like, if you start to compete in this, does it matter what type of saddle you ride in? Um, it doesn't. Um, that's uh, something else that has been uh, really nice to see, um, all the different types of saddles that people use. Um, we always, um, we say, you know, the less stuff you have on your saddle, the better. Now, there are people that um, shoot out of Western saddles. Um, I find I get a little hung up in them. Um, and so we, we just go with our all-purpose English Wintech saddles. Um, and then uh, there's a sort of modified cavalry saddle and McClellan saddle that um, some people use. And then a lot of um, uh, people are also using uh, saddles that are native to Hungary and Mongolia um, Japan. There are a lot of really interesting saddles out there that really kind of balance you. So I think that's kind of cool. So whatever saddle you currently have, you don't have to go out and buy a ton of new equipment no. to look no, the look. For all. mounted archery, you can ride in your dressage saddle or whatever you currently have. I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it, it is nice. You know, the, your big expense is, um, and it's not even a big expense, are uh, bows and arrows. And arrows do break and uh, get lost and that sort of thing. So that seems to be, that's our ongoing expense, <laughs> our replacing arrows. And where do you find those types of things? What's the best place for equipment? So there are a bunch of different, uh, you know, sometimes you can, you luck out and you can find some things at a Cabela's or a Dick's Sporting Good. Um, but there are a lot of different, you know, um, archery catalogs um, and, I, the the place that we like to send um, people who are like, you know what, I, I want to give this a try, and what do I buy? Um, we usually send them to uh, Horse Archery USA, their website, um, and that's a really good starting off place to get some equipment with. And then also just um, there's a couple other um, websites that just talk a little bit more about equipment. The uh, Georgia Horseback Archery Group is a good one for that as well. And do you find that there's a certain size horse that's best for the mounted archery, or does it not really matter? It seems to make no difference at all. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small or what breed they are or how old they are or what kind of, you know, past lives they've had. Um, any horse can do this. Um, and we have 20 horses, and I think we've got – we have three who – have asked not to participate. Um, the, the rest of our horses were like, okay. Um, so it really, we have a wide variety of horses. Um, and in, 
it's it's great because it really doesn't matter what sort of horse you have. They just need to um, be willing to to go down the track and, and let you shoot off of them. And the three that said, oh, heck no, um, did they let you know by dumping you or how was that? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was thing. just going, well, how did they say no to that particular? <laughs> right. Well, um, one of them we honestly didn't even ask. He's very sound reactive. Um, if there's a strange noise, he's the first one to, you know, spin and mm. look and be worried about it. Um, so we just thought, you know what, we have enough horses. Yeah, probably swooshing by his ears isn't good. <clears throat> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So we just decided not to really ask him at all. Um, and then we have um, a 30-year-old thoroughbred, off-the-track thoroughbred, who um, just, it just seemed to make him real anxious. And again, we thought we have enough horses. He has a heart murmur. There's no reason to push our luck here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then um, we have a little Arabian mare who the sound was no problem. The, you know, all of the work we did up until the point where we drew the bow and arrow went great. And we thought she's going to be fantastic at this. Um, but she did not care for the draw release. She, the, there's just a weird energy return that happens. You have to kind of, they, they really feel it. Your core moves. Everything kind of shifts a little bit, and her response to that is to get the heck out of here. Um, so we just decided that. You could run the pattern in yeah. no time. <laughs> yeah, it's right. <laughs> well, and, yeah, she'd probably be great for um, groups that want to go fast, but um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're a little bit different in, in how we run our program versus some other horseback archery programs where um, – Speed does count. It's like eventing. You need to make a certain time. But mm-hmm. for us, we spend a lot of time getting our, asking our horses to go really slow. So we weren't uh, we weren't interested in sending mixed signals. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so she might actually work out great in another program. Yeah. <laughs> well, I find that fascinating too because all the different sounds. So the horses are fine maybe with one thing, but not necessarily the other. So that's so great to start off with you just doing it all on the ground with them just there with you on a lead yeah. rope being able to hear it all and kind of see and then see other people go by, you know, doing that on horse and then start from there with them. That's a great idea. Good way to do it. So I'm assuming that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, do you start um, at the walk and then trot and then canter and then run? So it's obviously a very progressive sport as well. Yes. Yes. And, and we can only, you can, you should really only go as fast as you can you know, without your bows and arrows, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's still about the riding, um, and being safe, being a safe rider. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a great archer, um, if you're not safe at the trot, then you shouldn't be trotting and shooting. Um, so we do start at the walk, um, and then move up from there. And, you know, we'll first couple of times we'll jog in hand. Um, we've got, a and a setup where we can lunge people and they can shoot, um, as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very slow and progressive. And the great thing about the, the sport, again, it's such a challenge. Um, you know, if your riders are really, you know, once-a-year riders, so if they're coming to a summer camp program or they're occasional riders, um, you know, they can't take a jumping lesson. That wouldn't be safe. But we can put them on a horse and do horseback archery, and they get a, a chance to sort of challenge themselves. But we're still walking. And, uh, and everybody's still safe. Um, and that's another thing that we really like about this program. It's a great plateau activity for those riders who aren't ready to progress to the next level with their horse skills. Well, that's what I was thinking about with you, too, is that, you know, even if you had your own horse, but your own horse might not be suitable because of noise 
problems or whatever, they could still come to a program like yours where a school horse who knows how to do it and then, you know, pay the money just for the experience and ride the school horse. And there's something to be said for that. You know, I, I pay big bucks to go and ride a um, Grand Prix school master in dressage because I want a Tempe change every stride. And I don't think I'll probably ever be able to own a horse that could ever do that, nor do I have the time to train them to be able to do that. But boy, I'll pay big bucks to go for the experience. So being able to do something like that in this sport sounds like that'd be super fun. It is. It is. And um, we're very lucky uh, to have sort of a wide variety of horses. Um, you know, we have horses that only do this at the walk. We have some that only do it at walk and trot, and then we have a group of horses that will walk, trot, canter, um, and are, you know, happy to do it out on the trail or in the field as well. So we have a we have a, a good group of horses, and it's been interesting, um, you know, teaching teaching a 25 year old horse a new trick, um, and it's been interesting to see that deep down, you know, a horse that we thought was just a, you know, just a quarter horse and just a good you know, good guy is actually an excellent archery horse. And this was the thing that was missing. <laughs> they probably <laughs> have fun life. with it. They probably yeah. have fun with it. Uh-huh. Let's go do this thing. Prick up their ears and go. <laughs> yeah. So how can listeners, if they don't live in North Carolina, find a place near them where they could possibly go and participate in this? So there, um, there's an organization called Horse Archery USA, and um, they have clubs all over the U.S. And there are clinicians and instructors and um, people who can help them. Um, and we, when we were trying to figure out what we were doing, and we really wanted to, and our bosses were very invested in us um, starting a safe program, uh, we reached out to them, and they got back to us immediately and are so um, welcoming and interested in promoting the sport and helping people in any way possible, um, that would be a really good place to start. And then how can others find out more about you there in North Carolina? What's the best way to do that? Oh, there's all sorts of ways. Um, so our, um, I can be found at camplikeagirl.org. And then we also have a Facebook page for Circle C Equestrian Center, the one in North Carolina, not in Hawaii. Um, I can be found on the CHA website and chainstructors.com, and I think we can also be found on horsearchery.us. So I'm all over the place. So a good variety of ways. And for those that are listening, you know, CHA, we do certify horseback riding instructors, but it's a good idea to get certified in how to do English and Western, first of all. We're not currently certifying people in mounted archery. That is not something that we're doing. <laughs> so, but I've, I've excited that, uh, you know, there's these sports out there so that once you get your basic skills down, either as a rider or once you get your basic skills down as an instructor, then you can go and kind of pursue these other avenues too, because I think it spices up us as well as instructors to get out there and teach something that's really fun for the students and exciting instead of just all the circle work and everything in the arena, which is also important. But I think doing some of these other things is just so fun. It is. It is. And it's, it's fun as an instructor to learn something new and to, to challenge ourselves. And, um, you know, if you have, if you're enthusiastic about learning, so are your students. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, there you go. Now you can either take up shooting or archery. 
Glenn, I think you should do them both. Oh, with yeah. Your pony and the cart. Yeah, that'd be good. Broken ribs are great for doing <laughs> archery. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You might want to wait till you heal up. <laughs> yeah, I heard archery works really well with broken ribs. <laughs> that twisting to the side and yeah, pulling, that, the whole that might pulling the bow thing. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, it might not work so well. <laughs> Well, th- this has been fun. You know, I is, I am just so excited. And I've said this this week because we've had so many over the past week. We've seemed to have so many new sports that are coming out in the horse world that are becoming popular. All the trail riding stuff and the competitive trail riding stuff and the cowboy races and all that stuff is fairly new to the horse world. And I'm just so excited that there's new things coming out that people can can get into. Oh, it's constant, isn't it? But I'll tell you what's so great about it is that you're still basic horsemanship. Every single person we've ever spoken to, at least on this show, always says, but you have to know how to ride first. Well, yeah. And then when you know how to ride, then you could do all this fancy stuff. But I think it's great that there's all this fancy stuff to go do because this is this keeps it all fresh. You know, I think for trail riders, too, people have been just trail riders who who want to do something a little bit extra but don't want to go, you know, learn dressage or go to events or, you know, uh, necessarily do three-foot jumps. Uh, there's so many more options for them now to kind of dip their world into competition that they never had before. And I love that for all of them. Yes. And what's so good about it is that these competitions, they don't require you to maybe even ever canter. You can be a walk trot person and be just fine. Right. right? So, I mean, that's what's so good about these sports is that you don't have to be this highly accomplished. I've been riding for decades and decades before I go do these things. You can start off just walking and trotting, doing it. That's right. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us again. Where can people find out more about the CHA and what's happening over there for the 2018 season? Yes, best way is CHA.horse. And if you go on there, we already have, gosh, almost 40 clinics up there for those wanting to get certified in either our equine facility manager certification for barn managers or our actual uh, riding instructor ones or our trail guide, Pack in the Wilderness ones. They're all up there. More will be posted, of course, January, February. We normally do about 80 to 100 clinics a year. And then there's also chainstructors.com to go find an instructor or a facility near you if you're looking for that. And also, of course, to purchase our manuals, DVDs, posters, whatever is useful to you and where you are. Very good. And of course, so we, we can find all the past episodes of the Certified Horsemanship Association on horsesinthemorning.com. Just go over there and search for CHA or Certified Horsemanship. It'll bring up all the past episodes. There have been dozens of them. So you'll find them all listed there and you can go take a listen to all of them in one place. Well, have a Merry Christmas, Christy, and a Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to both of you. Enjoy your 70-degree day while I'm enjoying my minus five. We will. I promise. I promise (laughs) we will enjoy our 70-degree days. I promise. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning here at Horses in the Morning at 9 (laughs) a.m. 